0: Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about measuring cue angles, strengthening to lengthen, and how important our grades are in physical therapy school. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show, helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the Ask Mike Ronald Show. We're up here at Champion P-Team Performance up in Boston. Lenny Macrina, Dave Tilly, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto. Check them out. Their links in the, the thing below or something. I don't know. I always wanted to do this, but I've never done that. Check out their links below. I'm pretty sure they're not on YouTube no, below, but whatever. You know how to get in touch with these guys. Anyway, we're here up at Champion. We have our students asking us some amazing questions today. Is it going to be amazing? Amazing. Are you amazed? Not yet. Logan Genghis klon is amazed from Wash U. Right, we have Tally Ho, Zach Tally Ho. Did I stop? saying your first name and just calling yeah, you it was, it was supposed to be Tally. Ho. That's right. We got Zach Tally Ho from Regis University. Okay. All right, what do we got, guys? Let's get some questions in.
1: All right, we got Richard from Brooklyn. Hey, folks. As always, great content. <laughs> Richard,
2: <laughs> um, what's happening? The
0: best reader of all time, Logan. Right here. I am
1: currently. Knee deep in your online knee seminar.
0: Whoa! <laughs> was that intentional? Uh, one, right. I'm Up to my shoulders with the other one. That was cool. Good stuff so
1: far. How often do you rely on measuring Q angle for determining patellar tracking issues? Have you seen many cases where a more vertical VMO insertion, less than fifty degrees,
3: has played a significant role in patellar tracking?
0: Len, do you measure Q angle?
3: Um, not often, but sometimes. I notice in the discuss. So I monitor the. The discussion boards that we have at com, and I see there's a a lot of discussion of this concept and either we spoke about it a lot, which I don't think so, or it just opened people's eyes to a new concept. I don't know. Um, I'll observe it and if I see something obvious then I will measure it because it is a dynamic stabilizer of the knee, particularly in somebody who has poor static stability. So if I see that their trochlear ridge might be relatively shallow by putting their knee at twenty degrees of flexion and doing some patella moves. Then I want to look at their dynamic stabilizers, a, a similar concept to the shoulder. If they, if I feel like their shoulder has excessive laxity, then I want to see what their dynamic stabilizer status is by doing like muscle testing. So I will observe it, and I have measured it previously. Um, what, I can't change that, that's a surgical thing to have to do like a proximal realignment but I think it should be noted that it might be contributing to their uh, patella mobility or patella instability if you want to call it that.
0: And I'd say there's two things, there's a static Q angle and a dynamic Q angle right, so I would say I observe Q angle statically on the table I don't know if I've actually gone and measured it with a goniometer recently, I just I don't know if that number is irrelevant, if it does anything to us clinically, um, but there's also a dynamic Q angle, you know, that has to do with, you know, part of your Q Angle is your tibial tuberosity, right? So if you have tibial rotation, or probably more importantly, femoral inter- internal rotation, with a- on your t- your tibia, for example, you could have a, like a, a large dynamic Q angle that we could affect with strength and dynamic stability and stuff like that. So I would say that's part of it. What about the VMO question? So you, you know, again, this is, both of these questions are. Anatomical things that we can't really fix. Right, I
3: think I kind of lumped that into my answer, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: a vertical, a vertical. So not uh, left, right, horizontal VMO placement. You know, the VMO when it contracts, I mean, if if it's a little bit more horizontally orientated, it, it will help stabilize the patella from going laterally. So you definitely see those really long leg people that have vertical VMOs. You can see it probably just doesn't help as much. But again, I mean, it's is it something you measure, then or is it something you just note and I no. observe.
3: I haven't measured it a lot. I have measured it in the past as like, uh, okay, I, it looks obviously um, more vertical than horizontal. So let me just note it. Um, but, again, it's not going to affect what uh, much I can do. I'm just going to work on strengthening, essentially, and some education and maybe some bracing, so to speak, if we want to go that down that road. But I, I think it's just noted. Nice. Awesome. Tally Ho. Jennifer from Saskatoon, Canada. Hey, Mike and friends. I commute to work and listen to your podcast while driving, and I love them. I was wondering if you could talk about strengthening to lengthen. Do you usually prefer strength for length, stretches, or both and why? Hope
2: is all This has got Dan Pope Pope is goddamn damn hope. is salivating. <laughs> right? Strengthen lengthen, baby. That's cool. such so- a cool. Tim Tyler thing, right, for his hamstrings? Uh, I'm guessing they're talking about range of motion, though, just building mobility <clears throat> through eccentrics. I think eccentrics are awesome because... Um, for one, there, there's a lot of research to show that eccentrics are going to help to lengthen a muscle, which is great. Um, they're underutilized. People love foam rolling. I think foam rolling's fine too, but eccentrics can accomplish two things at once. So if you have someone who's trying to build, let's say, hamstring mobility and are also trying to get uh, a bit stronger for something like Olympic weightlifting, because I see a lot of Olympic weightlifters, I'll do a lot of uh, RDLs or eccentric um, RDLs. Uh, in some of the literature, it's not purely uh, eccentric exercises that are being used to build more mobility. So they'll use something like an RDL to slow lower, as opposed to going like maximal lift on a, an RDL and then trying to have someone consensually help you back up and then right back down again. So a lot of it's just kind of the, the slow lowering phase. Um, but I add that to uh, a lot of the, um, the programs that I have for, for athletes. I'll usually do some type of soft tissue intervention, uh, whether that's a foam roll or like lacrosse ball, followed up by good old stretching, because there's lots of research to show that helps the lengthen tissue. And then I try to do some sort of reinforcement with uh, an eccentric exercise which is gonna be great because we're working on technique, we're working on strength, and we're building range of motion simultaneously. So if you talk about a lot of bang for your buck, that's about as good as it gets. Patrick. Yep. So,
0: so is your key to, to work eccentrics to the end range of their available motion?
2: Generally, um, I've looked through a bunch of research papers and that's, that's generally what the, uh, the idea is. They're going about as far as you potentially can go in your range of motion, they come right back up again. Uh, again, it's, it's pretty different based on the, uh, the body part, but I've seen a lot of uh, calf and uh, hamstring Um, Eccentrics, and that's what they do generally. Something like an RDL, uh, or some like leg lowering stuff with bands. It's it's a lot of times it's not a lot of load, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it will load up something like a Romanian deadlift, um, but it does tend to be beneficial for these athletes. Nice,
0: awesome, sweet. Logan, one more.
1: Good. Uh, We got Dana from Oakland, California. Hey, Mike and crew. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Been tuning in for over a year now. I just started my DPT, and I wanted to ask your thoughts regarding the importance of grades in PT school. Do you think a student who has passed his or her coursework and uses their free time getting involved, doing research, or pursuing other hobbies sets himself up for more success as a new grad than a PT student who earns straight A's and mostly lives in the library? I want to stand out, but I'm wondering if my time would be better spent on things that will
0: eventually make me a more effective PT. Open California. Tower power creep <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I like that. <laughs> What you, you want all? Sh- yeah, <laughs> you all right?
3: Both? I want somebody to have good grades, but I want somebody well-rounded who's like done things and, and met people. <laughs> what, and
0: what was your GPA? Should we, should we share our GPA? Uh, I think it was like <laughs> three, four, something I, I don't like know. that. You remember Maybe your GPA? Three? I don't remember yeah. my GPA, which probably tells you something. Mine had right exactly a better to it. <laughs> Dave didn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> so we, that's actually interesting. As an employer, I mean, we certainly don't look or care about your GPA. I mean, if you get through PT school, I think that's your bare minimum that you, you did it. So I don't know if, if, if necessarily getting a four sets you apart. Um, yeah. I don't know. If studying hard might set you apart, though. I mean, this is this is a weird question, I guess, right. but um, yeah. like not not a bad question. But I'm just saying, you know, I see where you're getting at. I think of anything that. Grades reflect like you're just like disciplined work ethic and ability to grit through. Like everybody has material in PT school that they're not a fan of doing. So like I guess like gives you like that aspect
2: of it. Like you're like willing
0: to sit there and study and like get through it. It's kind of important
2: in my mind. I don't know if you're coming at it from the perspective that I came at it initially. Um, initially, when I was going to PT school, I, I feel like I was a little bit cocky. It's kind of a mistake that I made just because I came from a strength conditioning background and then when I was asking all my professors about some of the guys who I thought were heroes in the field, like kind of a Stu McGill or Shirley Sarman, um, they were very, very big in the PT world too, but even more so sometimes in the strength conditioning realm. And uh, I was super excited about learning from all these different people, right? And what I found out over time is I just didn't have a great hold of the foundations. So I was like, holy crap, I really need to, to hammer the most important things. And over time, I get a little bit more fancy. Um, and what I ended up doing is probably a little bit of both, but I just remember going back and... Like man, I really need to to learn the foundations. I need to make sure I have a good hand of the uh, the anatomy and biomechanics with the most recent literature is saying before I got fancy and started to learn in these these different realms. So that was my own bit of a mistake, I think, that I made early on. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I I'll
0: admittedly I don't I have no idea what my GPA was. I'm sure it was in the thirties. Um, it wasn't a four. I mean, I always consider myself kind of like a three kind of guy. I'm sure it was higher than that, but like, like, I don't know. I never, uh, I I know what you're getting at. I never tried to get a 4.0. Like I just, I was always, you know, I was just a nice, calm level guy. I was never the guy that was like obsessive about a 4.0. I was totally fine with if I got a 90 on a test, for example, right? But well, I mean, a couple things to think about. I mean, one is if you're three out of four, I mean, are you, are you, are you comfortable saying you only know 75% of the material that you, uh, you know, potentially should know coming out of PT school? And I think the, the thing we always hit about uh, now, and I hope you're not getting to this here, is that we all the students, or I shouldn't say all the students, these guys are fine. So but, <laughs> We're seeing a lot of students come out and they have these, these uh, predisposed opinions and they're really getting caught up in these systems and stuff like that and they have no idea how to be a physical therapist. They don't know how to treat a the joint. They don't know how to the basics of physical therapy, but they know all about how to assess my breathing patterns, which just is blowing my mind. Get you know, it. it's, it's it's there's I'm I'm knee deep in <laughs> <laughs> uh, just blowing my mind that, but we're losing sight of the fact every PT student wants to spend extra time learning the other stuff, thinking they're too good to get to master the basics and there's better stuff out there. But if you don't master the basics, you're just you're just missing out you know i don't know that's that's what
3: i like you're a new about. grad yeah. relatively what was your uh, thought on that Ooh, i was definitely a middle of the road kind of student uh, <laughs> what, what does that mean like mid threes but like there are a ton of people ahead of me in, in my class uh, no doubt and um i think i put in a, a lot of work in pt school but i also did a lot of other stuff outside of studying for pt school i think kind of helped me even more like um he became a personal trainer, like worked as a personal trainer. And I think that develops like that interpersonal skill. I think like I've seen some students um, who are very, very book smart but can't really talk to patients and clients. And that's kind of like a, a roadblock for some people. So I think developing those skills are, are equally as important as like learning all the information that you need to learn in, in passing tests. Yeah, that's kind of my take. It
0: sounds like we all agree with you to an extent, but don't get (coughs) carried away with it. (laughs) I think that's the point here. Don't get carried away and think you don't need to learn the basics and you can already get on to the exciting stuff. I think just be careful with that. That's how I would I would leave it, I guess. So good? The three? Woo! Good one. Awesome. Thanks so much guys. We appreciate it. Head to micronaut.com. Click that podcast link and ask us questions in that form. Ask us anything you want. We'll answer away. And please head to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.